Welcome to the Clinician Researcher Podcast, where academic clinicians learn the skills to build their own research program, whether or not they have a mentor. As clinicians, we spend a decade or more as trainees learning to take care of patients. When we finally start our careers, we want to build research programs, but then we find that our years of clinical training did not adequately prepare us to lead a research program. Through no fault of our own, we struggle to find mentors, and when we can't, we quit. However, clinicians hold the keys to the greatest research breakthroughs. For this reason, the Clinician Researcher podcast exists to give academic clinicians the tools to build their own research program, whether or not they have a mentor. Now, introducing your host, Teosi Onwemina. Welcome to the Clinician Researcher Podcast. I am your host, TSC and Wimena, and I'm super, super excited to be bringing you this episode because I have a unique guest on the show, Dr. Mary Long. Mary, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me today. So Mary, you're a unique, unique guest on, on the show because this I've, I've usually interviewed a lot of clinician scientists and you are a clinician who actually helps clinician scientists do their job better. And so I want you to just introduce yourself to the audience and tell us about what you do that is relevant to our audience. Yeah, sure. So I am Mary Lung and I am a hematologist and medical oncologist for adults. And I am also a life coach for physicians. So during the day, my full-time job is I'm, I'm a clinician. I mostly do clinical work. I don't really do research. And that's what, you know, Dr. Toyosi is doing. And so I, I work full-time. I, I see 20-some patients a day. And during my spare time, I actually help physicians who have trouble getting their work done on time to go home on time and have better management, be more efficient during their uh, clinical time so that they can, you know, do whatever they want outside of the clinical hours. And of and you, and your situation is really to do more research. Awesome. Okay. Dr. Mary, this is really, really helpful. And I want to thank you because what you help people do, you help people close their charts on time so that they can go home and do all the other things they want to do. And in this case, from my audience, it's clinicians who want to be able to do more research. And so many of my clinician audience, many, many members of my clinician audience are actually full-time clinicians who are trying to make the transition to research. And so being able to like shrink their workload into the time allotted for it is very difficult. And many of my clinicians say, I don't have enough time. I can't do research because I'm so busy clinically. I am excited to hear what you're going to share. So, so how do you do it? How do you, you're seeing 20 some patients a day and you're closing charts before the day is done. Some of my clients, some of my clinicians are not seeing that many patients and they're struggling. So how do you do it? How do you close your charts on time? Yeah. So, so I think I start off with, I'll just share with you a little bit about my own journey. So not too long ago, I was actually in a similar situation that I mean, I, w- I was still working full time, seeing 20 some patients, but I wasn't able to leave work around five o'clock. I, w- I would start seeing my first patient at eight o'clock and my last patient was supposed to be done by f- around four. 
but I would still be charting, answering phone calls, doing all these other things up till past seven. And then at that point, I told myself that, well, I really wanted to see my kids before they don't recognize me. And and I would just go home, you know, spend some time with them. And when they went to bed, I would be charting some more. That was miserable. And so I I wasn't really living life. I I I felt like, you know, I didn't sign up for this. And how, you know, how did I get into this? I felt like I was stuck. I was frustrated. I was angry. All these negative emotions until the pandemic came. And I had a taste of going home on time because I was just seeing a third load of the patients during that time. I mean, I wasn't in the first line, you know, of defense in terms of the pandemic. So we were just trying to see all the chemo patients and whoever that really absolutely needed to be seen. So I thought, what if I could do this, you know, going home on time whilst seeing a full load of patients? And, you know, that would be amazing. So during that time, I had opportunities to explore other things outside of medicine. And I came across something called life coaching. And I had no clue what that was, but I thought anything, I would try anything to make my life better or just to make my life to be something that I was living and not just going through the motion. So I did. And I joined this coaching program and I was working with one of the coaches to, because but the, my biggest obstacle at that time was really just to finishing my work on time. So in about three months, actually under three months, I just slowly went a little bit faster, a little bit faster. And three months later, I was able to go home on time, basically 5, 5.30 with all my charts done. And I'm not taking work home with me. Wow, Mary, that's such a great story. As you are sharing your story, I'm resonating. I spent three days once in my office, just I, I spent the weekend in my office just trying to close charts. And I, I know that there are clinicians out there who are literally on the hamster wheel of trying to close charts. How did you do it? How did you go from staying late every time to being able to go home on time with charts closed? Yes, and with seeing the same number of patients. So it's it actually all starts with how you start your day. And mm. and this is how I also guide my physician clients during our one-on-one coaching program. It's how you start your day is very important. Mm. Is when you wake up, you know, um uh the first thing you do in the morning, what do you think about? You know, if you're thinking that, oh, I have too many many patients to see, or if you're thinking that I can't possibly close all my charts on time, then you're already starting on the wrong foot. So say if you're thinking that today is going to be a manageable day, how are you going to feel? You're going to feel probably more calm, more peace than, you know, say if you think that I'm not going to be able to go home on time, you're probably going to feel something along the lines of frustrated or angry or something kind of unpleasant or negative. So we as human beings are driven by our emotions. And uh, I think it is 
uh, very helpful to have somewhat of a positive or more pleasant emotion to be your fuel, to be your driver throughout the day. So how you start your day is very important. And of course, that kind of like, you know, because we're thinking about different things all day long. Sometimes we don't even think or we're not even aware of what we're thinking. And um, so so be really mindful of what you're thinking and how you're thinking about things because that really affects your performance and what you do and how you do things. So that's the first things first. Second is that, you know, you tell yourself that you're able to handle the day and so you should want to see the patient and do the charge right away. So one of the biggest mistakes that I've had in the past was that I thought that I had to keep my patients to be as close to the scheduled time as possible because I thought that if I didn't do that, I was a bad bad physician. And so how I exchanged for that was I sacrificed my own time. And so in the beginning of the day, I would be able to really finish most of the, the patient's charts, you know, after they were being seen. And then usually as the day went on, especially the second half of the day, I had trouble and I thought, oh, I was already running late, 15, 20, 30 minutes late. No, you know what? I'll just finish the charts later so I could bring in the next patient. And what ended up happening was at the end of the day, I, I would still have sometimes five charts, not too bad. Sometimes it would be 10 charts or 13 charts. And I... I started to feel tired. I was frustrated. I I thought that I should have finished those charts already, but I still have so many, you know, charts to to do. And and my brain was slowing down. I was getting tired. So it would take me two or even three more times the the time that I would, you know, use to finish the chart if I finish it right then and there. So seeing the patient. Doing your chart right away is very important because it's so fresh on your mind and it is okay. Just give yourself some grace. It is okay to uh, let the next patient wait for a little bit because guess what? When you're done with this patient and the chart, then you can 100% focus on the next patient and not think about, oh, I forgot to write that I, I, I you know, for, for that other patient. So I think it's important to do that. And, and the next thing is really to be really, really focused on doing one thing at a time. I know, you know, we physicians, we think that we can multitask, we can do a lot of different things at the same time, but what we're doing is actually we're task switching, meaning that our brain is just kind of switching from one thing to another, and it actually takes time for your brain to recover from one event to another. So if you do that multiple, multiple times during the day, you actually spend more time to do one thing or to do the three things that you wanted to do. So I think that, you know, those are really very, very helpful things that help me to cut down on, on my, you know, clinical time. The other thing is also a lot of, I think a lot of us are doing 
really in, uh, outpatient uh, work. So, so for outpatients, you know, you you have your your set schedule, and um, also you you usually have staff members working in your clinic. You know, say the medical assistants, nurses, or the front desk. So, I think. Uh, one of the things really, really helpful is to minimize the interruptions mm. that are created by your staff members. So, mm. you know, it will be helpful to have kind of a protocol to let them know when to absolutely necessarily interrupt you during while you're seeing patients, as opposed to every single phone call to find you. You know, sometimes they may be already taken care of by your nurses, or if you have PAs or NPs, you know, so have a protocol set that will be very helpful. And also in terms of interruption, to not to interrupt yourself, meaning that, you know what, in the, in the middle of seeing patients or in between seeing patients, minimize the, uh, the, the really the time that you use to check emails, or uh, go on social media, you know, just really avoid that temptation. So I think with kind of like these uh, kind of like the outlines of what I do and what I uh, teach other physicians to do. And I think just even implementing two or three things that would be really, really helpful. Wow. Mary, thank you so much. You've, you've given, you've given so much and, and <laughs> having like my mind blown in this moment. Okay. <laughs> So the first thing I'm hearing you say is to, to some extent, to summarize everything you've said, it's like, you've got to be very focused and intentional about ending the day with your charts closed. It's like your mission. So because it's your mission, your first start to the day, the way you even think about your day has got to be that it's possible, you're able to do it, and none of the negative, oh my gosh, I can't believe how many patients I have, this is going to be another terrible day. It's really preparing your mind for the mission of closing charts by the end of the day. Then I also hear you talk about how it's okay. Your patients are, you're going to be a few minutes late to the next patient and it's going to be okay because by the time you get to the next patient, you'll have that chart done. And that's important rather than saying, I'll just leave it till the end of the day when it's your time. And then you're the one kind of, and you're tired. <laughs> your brain can't do as much because you've yeah. left it all to the end of the day. So the importance of not letting the anxiety of, oh my gosh, the patient's waiting. I can't finish this you, for you pushing it away so that you can focus. And then I also hear you say the task switching. Oh, that's such a big one. And I have some follow-up questions from this one where either your staff are interrupting you or you're interrupting yourself. Okay. So one of the thoughts, the questions that came to my mind is what if you're in a big workroom and you have all these, you know, your, your, your colleagues are in the room, your PAs and NPs are in the room. How can you work in a workroom? full of people and still be able to focus on getting the notes done? What do you recommend? I think one of the things is, you know, if if you're all working together, it may be helpful to have kind of like a regular meeting from time to time to see how we can all improve things. Because you know what, if you help each other do things better, you all win. So, so, you know, in, in a in a room like that, you know, sometimes you may have informal discussions, you know, and maybe we can just kind of like set an informal rule in a sense that just to say that, hey, you know, unless it's necessary, you know, we'll, we'll try to just do, you know, do this work thing together, but individually, 
as opposed to be, you know, kind of inter constantly interrupting each other. Because I think that, of course, sometimes, you know, there could be some more urgent things that, of course, there are always exceptions. But I think in terms of the workflow and who you're working with and how how the how the day goes, it's of course, you know, sometimes you have to individualize and, and, and tailor to the culture of the work. But I think, you know, as physicians, you're kind of like leaders, you know, for your staff or, you know, for your PAs and PS. So, so, you know, in a sense is that if, you know, how sometimes it, it's an ex experimental thing, you know, you may try something to see if that works, if it works great. If not, then maybe you just want to tweak it a little bit. Um, so I think like, I'm, I'm, that just reminds me of how, um, because sometimes I, I do do inpatient work um, once, a, you know, I think once a, about every eight weeks or so, and I'll spend Monday through Friday just inpatient and I will be working in a in a workroom and with other clinicians also and, and um we just kind of do our own thing you know sometimes some people like to chat and I would just kind of politely you know either say you know um uh, let me finish this first because I really want to finish my thought before you know talking about things and I think after a while if you do it more like that you know people do realize that, hey, you know what, we kind of try to respect one another's time and, and we try to get things done. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, Mary. As, as you're talking, what I'm hearing is that it's a cultural shift, right? It's, it's, it's shifting the way you've believed up until this point or behaved up until this point. Because up until this point, if you're struggling to close charts, you're struggling to close charts because your process currently doesn't work for you. But in order for you to get to a point where you're telling your staff, don't interrupt me except for these elements or to people working in the workroom with you, hey, I'm finishing a thought, give me a few minutes. It's not something we're used to doing. I think as physicians, we're very much like, oh, I'm always available to help you at all times. And sometimes that, you know, now shifting to a place where it's almost, it almost feels like being selfish. <laughs> Can you speak to that kind of mindset? Because I think as clinicians, we feel like we should always be available and always be able to help, but it does impede us from finishing our work. How do you overcome that mindset? Oh, yeah, it took me a while. <laughs> so so it is very true because, you know, we're, we're always kind of, I think, taught indirectly that oh we we should always be available you know even sometimes even after hours we should be available and that is kind of the biggest lie I would say you know of course it takes a while to really realize that it doesn't have to be the case um during during your work hours of course you know it's it's very helpful to be available you know as much as you can but at the same time is if it's after hours, if you're not on call, you know, it's it's okay not to answer a page or call or you redirect to whoever is on call because otherwise, you know, are you going to really, well, if you enjoy doing that, be my guest. But if that's not something that you want to do or if that's not something that is in alignment with your values because you want to spend time you know, for whatever you enjoy doing or with your family, then 
you know, I think it is important to really have a very clear boundary that you're you're giving out, you know, not a wishy-washy one, but, you know, let people know that when you're on duty, you're 100% available. Um, you know, of course, you have your own work to do. Like, say, if 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 somehow something about research is, is contacting you while you're seeing patients, you know, depending on the severity of the situation, you may want to just finish seeing that patient first and then answer to that call as opposed to interrupting the whole patient encounter to, to answer that call. So I think that just, you know, it takes practice to even to rewire our long time thinking to say that, hey, you know what, we're going to be doing our best and we're going to be available for however much that, you know, we're responsible for. And outside of that, it is okay to have your own time and be your own person. And we don't have to please everybody all the time. You know, of course, we, we you know, we're team players. We, we work well with other people. That doesn't mean that you have to be available 24-7. Wow. I, I love, I love, I just love all the all the insights that you're sharing. And I can, I can already hear people's hearts thumping faster and saying, what you mean, is it, is it okay for me to, to not be available 24 seven? And again, it goes, it's countercultural, but you know, as you're alluding to, it's like the other work you have to do is important too. And so being able to fit the work that you're supposed to do at this time within this time helps you be more effective in all your other jobs because spending time with our families, for many of us, we're still working even as we're doing that. Or for many of my clients who are also scientists, like spending spending time away from clinic many times means more time to actually do the science that you came to do. And so, wow, how important it is to be able to establish those boundaries so that we can do well in both jobs. Because, oh my gosh, to be able to close charts by the end of the day, everybody loves a clinician who can close charts. And, and for clinicians to walk away from their clinic to be able to go do their science, that's an important thing as well. But it definitely will take a lot of work. And that's why you're a coach. That's why you support people to do this work that is super hard to do on their own. So I want to ask you, like, if people who are listening want to work with you, how do they do that? Thank you for, for mentioning it. So um, before that, I do want to add uh, one more thing is that, yes, how we start our day is very important and kind of like have a goal in mind, you know, that think about why you want to finish your charts on time. You know, you want to finish your charts on time so that you can enjoy time with your family or I want to finish my charts on time so that I can have more time to do my research that I really want to do. You know, something positive. So it has, you know, got to be something that is a strong enough motivation throughout the day. And you remind yourself that, you know, I'm finishing my chart on time so that, you know, you fill in the blanks. So I think that will also generate more of a positive fuel, like such as, focus, determination, or um, confidence, you know, that, that you need to be your fuel to see the patient, do the charts, and, um, and finish your clinic on time. And I think, you know, this is not something that happens overnight, and it may take weeks or even longer, especially if you have um, hundreds of charts open. And, and I do have, you know, people that have 
you know, 100 charts open and you have to kind of like backtrack and slowly close them. Um, it, it is doable. It is doable. So I encourage you all to really try, you know, what we talked about today. And I am not really anyone special. I know Dr. Toyosi said I'm unique and thank you. I think everyone is unique, but I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not someone with superpower. It's just it's just shifting our mind to think and focus on, on what we need to focus. So I think for uh, physicians who are interested to know more about me, can visit my website at www.shiningwithgratitudemd.com. And uh, you're welcome to also email me to find out more about my one-on-one physician coaching program. And the email is shiningwithgratitudemd at gmail.com. I do write two blocks a week and you can find me on LinkedIn at Maryland MD or Facebook Maryland. Mary, that is so awesome. I just feel like your, your work is so important, even for clinicians who are not trying to be scientists clinicians who are just trying to get their lives back, right? It just, just being able to close charts. And I'm hearing you say that even if you have hundreds of charts open, and it sounds like you had clients or at least a, two, a client or two who's had hundreds of charts open, it is possible to get them closed and stay caught up forever with the strategies that you teach. I wonder if you just want to, in closing, just encourage the provider who is a couple of tens of, you know, actually maybe a couple of hundred charts behind and just encouraging them about what's possible with your strategies to help clinicians close these charts and stay stay on top of their charts. You know, looking back, I think in the beginning of the journey before coaching, I didn't think that it was possible for me to go home before seven o'clock. I thought going home at seven o'clock without any work, you know, left behind, that was already amazing. But now I'm going home at five I'll just say, yeah, really five and sometimes a little bit earlier even uh, with after seeing 20 some patients, I can never go back to where I was. It's, you know, you're, you get transformed to be someone totally different. You have a new identity because you're the patient. I mean, you're the physician who finishes your work on time and you, you're not bringing any work home. So I think that it's start with the belief that it is possible. Don't think of it how just yet. Just believe that it is possible because when you have the strong belief, you can work toward it. You know, it's it's just like the the book. I, I forgot which book. I apologize. I read, you know, the formula, the miracle equation, I think. It's the unwavering faith. And, and with the extraordinary effort, you're going to create a miracle. And of course, finishing charts on time, it may sound like a miracle right now. It did sound like that to me, but it is possible. And and just what we talked about uh, during this uh, session is, it's really, it sounds kind of simple. It is not the easiest thing to do, but it is totally doable. So I encourage, you know, physicians who have hundreds of charts left behind, and just do little by little, you know, it's kind of like when we encourage patients to lose weight. When you, when you tell them to lose 50 pounds, it sounds very, very scary. But if you tell them to say, hey, how about one to two pounds a week? I would just say most people say that, yeah, it's doable. So it's the same thing, you know, maybe instead of 
going home two and a half hours earlier than you normally do, try 15 minutes、mm. at a time. It's doable. I love it. I love it. This is going to change people's lives. Mary, thank you so much. Wow. You've just shared some really amazing insights. And I feel like it was, is going to liberate so many clinicians who feel like I just am too busy clinically. There's no way I can move on to do my research. And it sounds like it, it's possible. You can help them. And, and definitely, I will add your information to the show notes so that they're able to connect with you as well. Mary, it's just been such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for just the insight that you provide to clinicians. You're changing lives. And I just want to appreciate you for coming on the show and sharing your insights. For having me. All right. Everybody, you've heard Dr. Long. It is possible. You can do this. You can close your charts and keep your charts closed. So, that you can be liberated to do all the other work that you want to do. And so, definitely connect with Dr. Long, make an appointment, and, and she, she's the person for you to help you, help you get charts closed and, and keep them closed. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Mary, thank you for being on the show. And I look forward to connecting with you all the next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Clinician Researcher Podcast, where academic clinicians learn the skills to build their own research program, whether or not they have a mentor. If you found the information in this episode to be helpful, don't keep it all to yourself. Someone else needs to hear it. So take a minute right now and share it. As you share this episode, you become part of our mission to help launch a new generation of clinician researchers who make transformative discoveries that change the way we do health.